Hi. Guys. Welcome to Tea Time. <laughs> that never stops. And I don't expect it to, but I just, I'm like, yeah, okay. It's happening. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Why not? So we are back for the last spooky season. Yeah. Wow. Are so those enthusiastic. Have, they have progressively gotten so unenthusiastic. Beth and I were listening to the podcast that we did at Beth's house. And we sounded so enthusiastic and, like, oh, excited yeah. about spooky season. It sounds like everybody's just fucking done. <laughs> With Christmas. Honestly. You're gonna get some hands thrown at you for that one. <laughs> There's a Christmas sock on this microphone, so why the fuck <laughs> that's not? True. That's true, that's true. Uh, just a little warning. We do have two other people in the room with us. We've got Taylor and a new voice, Seth Brandle. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think they're just kind of chilling out with us, gonna see what happened. Uh, what happened? What happens? You know? <laughs> Tea we'll time is filmed in front of a live so, yeah. studio audience. So you hear some uh, male voices. Don't be alarmed. <laughs> <laughs> or do. I don't know. Or do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this episode is going to be Scary Stories. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> But first, what is everybody's update? Okay, I guess no one wants to do Okay, I'll take it over. So, um, starting off for Halloween, I'm going to be going as Billie Eilish, but I honestly don't know where I'm going to be Billie Eilish because I am leaving on Halloween um, right after class. It happens on a Thursday, and I'm going to the Mall of America, and I'm sitting outside all night with two other friends of mine, and we're gonna wait until 5 a.m. when the doors open up, and then sit outside the Morphe store and get the new Shane Dawson palettes when it opens up at 10 a.m. November 1st. So that's gonna be my Halloween. <laughs> That'll be fun. I'm Are you gonna excited. get the makeup palette? Are you gonna get other things, too? Yeah, I'm getting... So, depending on if they have um, the entire collection there... <clears throat> So sorry. Um, I will. Get <laughs> Are you though? I don't think so. <laughs> I will get the big palette. That's the conspiracy palette. I'll get the mini palette, which is the controversy palette. I'll get the mirror, which is the pig mirror, and then hopefully I want to get the um, Shane gloss and lick or the clear oh, lip gloss. Like and I think I'm also gonna get a lip liquid lipstick, depending on how much money I'm already spending. Bro, that's gonna be so much money. I'm probably gonna spend about two hundred dollars. <laughs> that is wild. I hate just my life. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> just, just got a baby. baby. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's that's my Halloween. What about everybody else? Uh, my Halloween. <laughs> Sorry, I still have a spotlight there for a second. I wish I wasn't sure who was going. <laughs> uh, my Halloween is pretty simple, just here in Fargo. However, I do have quite the Halloween costume ahead of me. <laughs> I think I planned. So, a little backstory to this is that it all started in fourth grade when my dad told me I should be a Rubik's Cube for Halloween. <laughs> so I got a giant box and I like cut holes for my head and arms and we made it look like a Rubik's Cube and I went trick-or-treating <laughs> as a Rubik's Cube. Um, and I just love that idea. So then the next year I was at dinner table, same idea, you know, <laughs> box on my body. And then the year after that was sixth grade and I was a vending machine, <laughs> which is pretty fun. Uh, then, you know, I, like, calmed down for a little bit. And I think it was, like, sophomore or junior year in high school. I 
came up with this one on my own, which I was pretty excited about. But basically, I, like, wrapped myself as a gift, and it had, like, a tag on it that said, Two men from God, and I was God's gift to men. (laughs) 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 And this year, I'm continuing with the box, um, and I'm going to be a 24-pack of Mountain Dew. (laughs) (laughs) I Normally, it's been a surprise. I wasn't expecting you to say it. Usually, it is a surprise, but I feel like people who listen to this podcast either... Excuse me. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> either, like, won't see me, like, be that, or, you know, they won't listen to it by the time it's actually Halloween. Mm. So, yeah, yes. a little sneak peek. She was going to be that last year, but she yeah. didn't have enough time to make the box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm going to be Boo from Monsters, Inc. for one of them and then the other one I will be blue from blues clues and Taylor is gonna be Steve it'll be cute cute uh, that's it <laughs> <laughs> so static that's it <laughs> well this is kind of like my first real year of like dressing up ever crazy cause I just didn't when I was younger like I never went tr- I've never been trick or treating in my life and I never dressed up Ever. That's such a shame. That explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> anyway, except I, like technically last year for a class I dressed up as a cactus, but that was to get extra credit because my <laughs> you got extra credit because for that? my English teacher she's like die hard for Halloween and she's like if you dress up for my class like you'll get extra credit and we were just gonna do a bunch of fun games that day. But that class, I'd take the bus downtown to that class. <laughs> I had dramatic lit right before it. So I went I got I went to my theory class at nine. I had an hour to kill, that's when I put on my costume, and then I went to dramatic lit in my cactus costume and then rolled the bus downtown and went to my English class and got extra credit. Oh my god. So I did that and then <laughs> this year I'm going as prison mic from the office. <laughs> I love that. It is so goddamn funny. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but, yeah, that's our Halloween season for you. Um, so, on to the next part, where we talk about some weird things. And, again, of course, this week, it's me, because, obviously, <laughs> these bitches are normal. What the fuck? Until <laughs> you... I agreed last week. That's true. That's true. That was the first I always, time. I pretty much always agree. <laughs> I don't know if you'll agree with this one. I feel like this one's definitely just me. Um, <laughs> I've had, so I've, like, <laughs> noticed this probably since, like, late middle school that I've done this. But sometimes I'll just be, like, sitting, and then I'll imagine, like, laser beams, like, coming out of my body at certain points. <laughs> nope. Can't <Literally>. relate. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> like, okay, so it's not just, like, out of my body randomly, but sometimes it'll be, like, out of, like, the toe of my shoe. Like, any, like, s- like pointy part on my body, I'll be like, oh, what if, like, a laser beam, like, what would it hit? Would it, like, cut it in half? Especially, like, those little bungee cords that you'd have in your desk. I'd be like, oh, if my feet were on there, laser beams would, like, chop it in half. And that wouldn't be a thing. <laughs> cannot relate. Sometimes. That is really weird. I think this weird. is the first one I cannot relate to <laughs> out of all of the ones we've done so far. I have never thought... <laughs> no, I don't know why I do. However, I might start now. Because literally, every once in a while now, since the last podcast, like, I think about that phobia of the ducks watching you. <laughs> and, like, oh like, I'll just be like, well, I'm like... <laughs> I won't even be near a body of water. And I'm just like, hello? <laughs> hello. Oh 
Oh. But yeah, I don't know why that happens. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that can't relate to it this time because I've felt like ass the entire time <laughs> that you've been saying all these weird ass things. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I mean, I think I'm the one who should feel like ass out of all of us. Except for coming up with all these shit. But uh, yeah, so that's me. Another little fun fact about who I am. <laughs> how often? How often does that happen? Like how often? It was do you a think lot more that? often in like late middle school, early high school. Um, <laughs> but like now, I'd say maybe like once a month it'll like pop into my head and I'll be like, oh yeah. Like I like remember like oh I used to do that and then I'll start like examining it. Like right now I'm thinking about how my knee like has a laser going to Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get fucking killed. Yeah. My god. The question is, will it go through Maddie and into Taylor? <gasps> it does now. <laughs> How strong is this laser? It's, not strong. it's a nice laser. <laughs> I, tra- I trained it. Is Lefty really going well. into Crane? No. You're, you're fucked. Well, it's actually going into my. Okay, she moved her knees. <laughs> gotcha. It wasn't facing me, but then she moved it. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so I say, um, I think that's the shortest we've ever done that intro stuff. That's okay. I'm here for I it. I think we usually just ramble with, like, relating to something weird, but, like, yeah. we just... I'm just can't. not relatable this time, I guess. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, let's get into the scary stories. Ooh. Where's that minor chord? Yeah, where's that oh, minor chord? Yeah. <laughs> we are accompanied by Seth this evening. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So, starting off, this is one of the stories... Um, I remember this was one of the first scary stories I heard on YouTube when I was younger, and it's called Max and Ruby 0004 Lost Episode. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling Taylor knows this story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so it starts off. <laughs> we barely started! <laughs> It's a scary Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Seth was worried about interrupting our podcast. Taylor, stop. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We love you. Anyways, it was just this Christmas that went by, and things were getting busy. <laughs> I had to start by buying presents for the family. I had finished shopping, but I still needed to grab a present for my little cousin. She's not very hard to shop for since she's four. She likes shows such as Peppa Pig and My Little Pony. She really liked, and when I say liked for a reason, Max and Ruby. So when I decided to go looking for a present, I I figured something like a Max and Ruby DVD would have been perfect, since she liked to watch it on a daily basis. However... Christmas meant that most of the online DVDs were sold out on most places. I went to look on eBay as well, but I figured I could not trust what condition the DVDs would have been in. So I was stuck in a rut for a while until that package arrived. I was at home still scrolling for a stupid DVD until I heard the sound of something being pushed into my letterbox. I caught a hold of it before my dog did, and I looked at the package. (laughs) It seemed to be wrapped in a fairly bad, fairly badly. It, <laughs> that's literally what it says. It seemed to be wrapped fairly badly with what looked like grease marks and stains on it. 
Naturally, like anyone would, I decided to open the package. Inside was something that I couldn't explain. Here's a picture. <laughs> Naturally, I'd open the greasy package. <laughs> Here's the picture. It is a picture of, like, a drawn-on Max and Ruby, like a fifth grader would do, but it's all black and white, and it's kind of creepy. Maybe we'll post it on the Insta. <laughs> it was a Max and Ruby DVD, but I had not seen one like it online. It was like some little kid had drawn on the front cover with a marker. The title was just Max and Ruby, with what looked like a poorly drawn illustration of Max and Ruby on the front. There were no names or anything, but on the back of it, it had a list of four episodes with all blunt titles. Episode underscore 0001, going all the way down to episode four. Listed just the exact same. I gave the DVD a watch over, and to my surprise, the episodes were perfect quality and seemed to have no flaws. It was as if the it was a real DVD, just with a homemade cover. The only thing I thought was odd was the episode selection screen. The episodes had named had names, but they were all called Max and Ruby One, with the numbers being changed as it went down on the list. The actual selection screen was just a plain white screen with black text with the episode list and nothing else. After giving it much thought, I decided to change the cover to something a little nicer by printing out a DVD cover that I had found on Google and tracked down the names of the episode so that they were label right. I left the episode screen list alone because I figured it was self-explanatory. Christmas went by and things were fine. I gave my little cousin the DVD and she was happy with it all through Christmas, but it was only <clears throat> because she had not watched it yet. On Boxing Day, the family had gone out for a meal and left me to babysit my cousin. I was not too bothered about being left alone. I figured now was a good time to put on the DVD for her. I had put on the DVD and let it play. While I was in the kitchen eating my dinner, from what I could hear, she had watched episodes one to three so far. I was just about to finish my noodles when I heard my cousin screaming from the other room. Dropped everything, I had ran into the living room and saw my cousin curled up on the floor screaming. I looked up at the TV and felt my, my heart in my throat. This is the picture of what the little girl was seeing. Mm. Something like that. It's essentially Max and Ruby, what, like their eyes are like blacked out. It's really creepy, and like everything has hit a red scale. Taylor, did you want to see it too? I've seen it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just making sure you're not sorry, feeling excluded. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what I caught a glimpse was one of the most horrifying things I had ever seen. It was what appeared to be a frame of Max and Ruby standing next to each other in complete darkness. But what made it so horrible was their lack of faces. They had just lost their noses and their mouths, and their eyes were replaced with big black holes. The colors were distinguishing blood red, and there was a faint static in the background. The sound was replaced with what sounded like Max and Ruby, the Max and Ruby theme song playing backwards, with the faint sound of static mixed in it all. What did that sound like? <laughs> like I trying don't to know. think. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be one of the most disturbing things I'd ever seen. And it must have been on screen for at least 20 seconds before the screen went black and the DVD turned off, which alone was weird because DVDs don't usually turn off by themselves. I was able to calm my cousin down, telling her it was not real, and she had just had a nightmare and she had fallen asleep in front of the, t in, in front of the TV. However, I knew in my mind it was completely real. My parents had rung me up and told me that they were going to be out all night, so this was going to be the best opportunity to look at this DVD more closely. I did not mention it to them. As soon as they hung up, I grabbed the DVD and stuck it on my laptop. As soon as it loaded, I noticed that episode underscore 004, or 0004, had now been replaced with RIP Mommy and Daddy. 
which sent a deep chill down my back. Since my cousin was now asleep, I plugged in my earbuds so she could sleep without having to hear anything. Normally an episode of Max and Ruby would have had three short stories, but this episode only had one. It started off quite lighthearted. Max and Ruby were playing tag in the garden, and their parents were on the porch watching them play. However, something was off. The sound was playing in reverse, and the parents' faces were that of sadness. It pained... <laughs> okay, Taylor. <laughs> it panned to the mother and the father, and in a, in a voice of deep sorrow, the father spoke. It's such a shame, he sighed. It then cut to the short sound of static and a loud scream, followed by the sound of two people choking. The sounds felt so real it made me almost physically sick. The scene then switched to Max and Ruby standing in front of what looked like a gravestone labeled R.I.P. Mommy and Daddy. The two of them had no faces at this point. There was also no sound, apart from the faint static. This scene remained on screen for about a minute and a half before it cut away into black. It then changed again, and now showing Max and Ruby sitting on Ruby's room, sitting in Ruby's room. Both of them were sobbing. The sobs were so realistic and heart-wrenching that it sounded like it was taken from a real person mourning. What happened next was probably the most dis disgusting, yet saddest thing I've ever, ever witnessed. The scene had changed to Max sitting in his room. He was standing on a chair with a noose hanging from the ceiling. He had brought it around his neck, and the scene faded to black, and the static got louder. Almost instantly, it then cut to Ruby rock walking in on her brother. She loud out, let out a gut-twisting gut scream. The camera was panned on her face as the sound of the chair being kicked and the same choking from before again began to play. The picture of Ruby's face stayed on the screen for a good five minutes, and this time her eyes had turned as the same gaping holes. Ruby then started crying, and as before, there was no other facial features. The static grew louder and drowned out in the sound of her cries. The scene cut to black with, loud, with a loud static, and when the scream returned, Ruby was standing on her own in the garden with two gravestones. One was labeled R.I.P. Mommy and Daddy, and the other labeled R.I.P. Brother. At this point, I had already been sick and was still shake and was all shaken. The episode seemed to have come to an end at last as the Max and Ruby theme song played slowly in reverse. I was just about to eject the DVD when the same image came up like it did on the TV. This time, however, there was a text above the two rabbits that said, Death is our only release. There is no credits or anything. It just stayed on this for a few seconds before the DVD finally popped out of my laptop. I sat there trying to contemplate what had happened. In my shock and fear, I had made the stupid de decision to break the DVD up as much as I could before leaving the house. Afterwards, I shoved the pieces down the drain. Thankfully, I kept a few screenshots and saved them to my laptop. The next couple of days went past without anything unusual happening, and I had a few nightmares about the DVD, but luckily that was all. My cousin had gone back home, along with the rest of the family. It was <clears throat> late... It was a late night, and my parents had gone out for dinner, leaving me to watch TV. I heard what sounded like someone posting s posting something through the door. At this point, the DVD had left my mind since, and I hadn't told anybody about it. However, it came flooding back when I looked down at the letter in front of me, and the messy folded-up paper said, Death is our only release. And this is the picture. Uh, why she shove it down the drain, though? That's why I can't. Probably just like the garbage disposal. Yeah, to grind it up. I suppose. So you're not just like staring at it in the trash. 
I, I would just take it out the trash. <laughs> I would have burned it. Can you burn a CD? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Other than like making some good tunes. It does that cool wavy thing. <laughs> <laughs> Did you imagine? Like it's already like haunted, but then like <laughs> in the microwave, ghost just flies out. That's <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> DIY how to get rid of your ghosts. Your DVDs. Stick it in your DVD. <laughs> yeah, the first time I had ever heard that, I was staying overnight at a friend's house with a couple other girls, and we started listening to a, a YouTube video of it, and a guy, this guy was, like, so believable, the way he was saying all of it, it creeped all of us out, and we could not sleep at all. It was really bad. Wow. I don't like that. Um, the next one is from me. It's called Digital Camera. And it's supposedly a true story that happened um, in Japan a few years ago. What? Music. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I, you looked out your hand up. I thought you were giving me a high five. <laughs> That's literally why I reached. I was like, what do you want? Oh, yeah. uh, okay. Uh, ooh, spooky. <laughs> um, one of my relatives passed away suddenly. I've never met the woman. She had a daughter who was four years old. <laughs> the nod I see from the corner. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I never met her. Okay. Uh, she had a daughter who was four years old. The little, the little girl's name was Yuki. Her father wasn't able to raise her on her own, so she asked my aunt to take care of her. The little girl refused to be left alone and never left my aunt's side. It started to become a problem. My aunt couldn't go anywhere without Yuki. She constantly needed attention. Even my aunt's own daughter started to get jealous. One day, my aunt told me she had to go out of town for a couple days and asked if I would babysit the little girl for her. I said it would be my pleasure. I lived alone and I could do with some company. A few days later, my aunt dropped Yuki off at my apartment. And she was, as she was leaving, she took the little girl aside and said, Yuki, please be good. Behave yourself. When my aunt was gone, I tried to talk to Yuki and play some games with her, but the little girl's behavior was very strange. She had a teddy bear tucked tightly under her arm and never let go of it. She never smiled, she never spoke, all she ever did was sit quietly in the corner and stare at the wall. It made me kind of uneasy. I was trying to find something that would entertain her. I had just bought a new digital camera, and I decided to let Yuki play with my old one. When she saw the camera, her eyes lit up. I showed her how to use it, and she went around my apartment taking pictures of everything. There was a bright smile on her face. That evening, I discovered how difficult Yuki was to deal with. Whenever I tried to leave the room, she started crying and screaming out my name. I couldn't leave her alone or she would create a huge fuss. She even insisted on going to the bathroom with, with me, which was very embarrassing. At bedtime, she refused to stay in the spare room and insisted on sleeping in my bed. I read her a bedtime story and after a while, I managed to get her to go to sleep. Then when I noticed her teddy- or that was when I noticed her teddy bear. One of its legs was charred and blackened, as if it had been burned. It made me wonder. In the middle of the night, I was awoken by a strange noise. When I turned over, I saw that there was something wrong with Yuki. The little girl's body was trembling and shaking. Her eyes were wide open, her teeth were chattering, and tears were streaming down her cheeks. I held her close and asked her what was wrong. She's looking at me again, she mumbled. Who is? I asked in surprise. The dark woman, replied Yuki. She wouldn't say anything more. I tried to tell her it was just her imagination, but she kept shaking her head and whimpering. It took me a long time to get her to go back to sleep. The next day, Yuki was fine again. She loved playing with my digital camera. When it was time for her to go home, I told her she could keep it. Yuki hugged me. Although she didn't say anything, I could tell she was overjoyed. I dropped the little girl off at my aunt's house and stayed to have a cup of tea. My aunt thanked me for taking care of Yuki. We spent, uh, we spent a while chatting at the kitchen table. Poor little thing, said my aunt. 
She hasn't said a word since her mother died. I couldn't contain my curiosity. How did Yuki's mom die? I asked. A strange look came over my aunt's face. She died in a fire. How did the fire start? I asked. Well, my aunt hesitated, unwillingly to talking about it to talk about it. It's a very sad story. She committed suicide. Yuki's mother was a very troubled woman. She poured gasoline over herself and lit a match. She burned herself alive. Oh my god, I explained. How horrible. Yes, said my aunt. Her family was so shocked, they hushed it up and pretended it was an accident. We had a small funeral, but only close relatives were invited. Yuki wasn't there. She doesn't even know her mother is dead. She thinks her mother is just on a long holiday. We haven't had the heart to tell her the truth. Poor Yuki, I murmured. My aunt nodded her head sadly. Poor Yuki. A few days after that, Yuki died. My aunt was trying to change Yuki's behavior. At night, she forced the little girl to sleep in her own bedroom. Even though Yuki screamed and cried, my aunt left her there alone and locked the door. In the morning, she found Yuki lying motionless in bed. The poor little girl was dead. Nobody could understand what had happened. The coroner didn't determine a cause of death. There wasn't a mark on her body. She was perfectly healthy. She had just mysteriously died during the night. There was no explanation. After the funeral, I went back to my aunt's house. Everyone was sad. She returned the, digi the digital camera I had given to Yuki. I took it home with me. It was something to remember her by. The memory card was full of random photos that y Yuki had taken. I browsed through them, wiping a tear from my eye. They were pictures of my apartment, pictures of my aunt's house, pictures of flowers, dogs, toys, candy, silly pictures that a child would take. Then I came to the last picture and it made my blood run cold. My hands were trembling. I wanted to scream, but nothing would come out. The timestamp on the photo, sh photo showed that it had been taken the night Yuki died. Here's the last picture that poor little girl ever took with my digital camera. And before I show it to you guys, it's essentially a uh, black picture and there's very faint white eyes in the oh, background, like that. right above Wait, it, I as if not... she had taken it. Uh, staring above. Oh, uh, yeah. You go, oh my God, no, that is scary. That's disgusting. I did not. <laughs> I didn't expect it to be so prominent. Uh, no. Oh my God. I know. Like, I it takes a while to see, but as I soon hate as you that. See them, Ew. Like, right, like, is it her mom? Eyes. I think so. Ew. Uh, I was literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it her mom? <laughs> I was already in my accounting class today, like looking through these stories, and I saw that picture, and I like almost like jumped in my space. I was like, Holy fuck! <laughs> I Ugh. hate whenever like if it's like on Facebook or like something where it's either jump scare or something like that where you don't expect it. I just get pissed. Like I see it and I'm like, like <laughs> to myself. Like I get so mad that like I got scared from it. Like whatever it was, I get so irritated for like thirty seconds, and I get over it. That's fine. <laughs> That was a good one. Yeah, I like that. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I literally <laughs> would pay like straight up peed my pants if I saw those no. eyes. In I my... know. Holy fuck, that's so fucking scary. I would never go to bed ever again. You already don't go well, to bed. She she died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It's my turn. Um. This is. Wait for it. Oh. Oh. Just to say the title. It's called. Twisted Teddy. <laughs> I am not gonna lie, I haven't read this all the way through. You don't tell him that, you just go for it. <laughs> you lie! It'll be an experience for everyone. Okay, okay here we go. I suffer from <laughs> schizophrenia. What? Before you jump to any conclusion. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Taylor was laughing that my pocket was inside out. <laughs> 
my god. Okay, and let's start it over. I suffer from schizophrenia. Before you jump to any conclusions about me, before that word, schizophrenia, flashes its stigma and makes you think of serial killers, mass shooters, and like, let me- wait, and the like, let me dispel- what? <laughs> oh god, this is already a bad start. Um, let me dispel a few things. I am not Norman Bates. I am not Ted, Bun Ted Bundy. As a matter of fact, most sufferers of this illness shy away from violence. I do not have multiple personalities. Disassociative identity disorder is a completely different condition than what I have. Most of the time, I'm just like you. I go to work, I watch television, I read books, listen to music, indulge my hobbies, and spend time with people I love. I just occasionally see and hear things that aren't really there. When this happens, when I hallucinate or hear voices, I refer to these episodes as experiencing interference. Scooby, what the fuck? <laughs> I would take that over that. But one. also it looks like it only has like human teeth like here and then it's like when not. I was younger and I'd watched like a lot of let's plays on YouTube, there was this <laughs> horror game where you just like this guy just walks down a dark staircase and then that face just randomly pops up. <laughs> Y'all ever played the scary maze game? No. <laughs> it's like the original. That's like the original. Well, they yeah. don't know it. I've it's played like, it. You because you deserve a veterans discount. Thank <laughs> you. Keep going. Okay. Um when this happens, when I hallucinate or hear voices, I refer to these episodes as experiencing interference because that is how it feels to me. They are interruptions in my everyday life. It's also a good way for me to signal to someone I trust who knows about my condition that I'm in the midst of an episode without having to use that word. I simply tell them, I'm sorry, there's some interference happening, and they understand. Not everyone is understanding. My father was one of those people. I was diagnosed at a very young age. I was only six when a child psychiatrist reluctantly told wrote schizophrenia onto my di diagnostic chart. It's not a diagnosis assigned lightly, especially to children. Most people with this illness don't begin displaying symptoms until the late teens or early 20s. I was six. However, in a weird way, I consider this a blessing. I never had to experience the jarring phenomenon of living a normal life to suddenly having the carpet pulled beneath my feet. Better to be born blind than to lose your sight later in life. I've known... I've never known anything else. This has also given me a long time to come to terms with my illness and to learn to live with it. I take medication, and as long as I stay on them, most of the days are just as boring and mundane as everyone else's. Mild episodes will always happen, but the big ones, the ones ran ranging on the scale 8 or above, are few and far between. The most difficult thing about living with schizophrenia is not always being able to tell what is real from what is not. Sometimes it's very clear. If I see a purple elephant riding a tricycle through my living room, I can pretty much assume that it's not real and not give it much thought. The ones that get to me are the more subtle ones. Answering a phone that wasn't ringing, responding to someone calling my name when there was no one, attempting to sit on a chair that's not really there. This sort of thing can be extremely embarrassing when they happen in public, so I tend to stay away from most people. I know I come across as creepy to some, strange, it's like they know that there's something off about me, but just can't pinpoint what it is. Another annoying thing about this illness are the delusions. I have been fortunate, though. I haven't been plagued by delusions by the way some schizophrenics are. I don't believe the government has planted a chip in my brain or that I've been abducted by aliens. I don't buy into conspiracy theories or, theories or anything like that. However, 
There is always that danger. I'm always afraid of going off the deep end that way, so I avoid anything that might trigger it. Sometimes all it takes for a simple idea to Sometimes all it takes for a simple idea to take root, a word, a phrase, it's not always purple elephants. Oftentimes it's something much worse. One thing I avoid above all else is religion. I don't mean to sound disrespectful to anyone who is religious. A common delusion for schizophrenics to fall into is the belief that they are hearing the voice of God, or that their hallucinations are actually angels or demons trying to show them visions. I've even had well-meaning people tell me that I'm not mentally ill at all, that I'm gifted. I can see into the spiritual realm whereas others cannot. Of course that's ridiculous, this is not a gift, yet I do fear someday believing it. Who wouldn't want to believe that they are special in that way? I suppose that's why it's such a common thing. Yet it is a, yet it is very dangerous thinking. As appealing as the notion of being chosen by God is, the reality is that I have an illness. It isn't pretty, it isn't romantic, it just is. Besides that, I don't have a great track record with religion. My father, I mentioned him earlier, was a Southern Baptist preacher in the backwoods of Louisiana where I grew up. He was a devout Christian and held his family, myself included, to strict standards. We were examples for the community and he took that position very seriously. In public, anyway. Behind closed doors, things were quite different. My father drank heavily and had a hellfire and brimstone temper. It went even beyond that, however. There was a meanness in him, a side the rest of the congregation never saw. He revealed in, he reveled in his position of power over his followers, and that bled heavily into our home life. We weren't his family, we were his flock. You see this scar across the corner of my mouth? There's no picture, she's just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't see it. <laughs> that sounds like a Joker quote. I was like... <laughs> that was delivered with a strip of barber... 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 <laughs> wire. I could show you my arms and my back as well, but I keep those covered. No matter the weather, I'm always in long sleeves. Having, having a schizophrenic son was not news my father took well. At first, he didn't believe there was such a thing. He was convinced I was behaving this way for attention, claiming to see things that weren't real. Then it got more sinister. My father became seized with the idea that was in fact possessed. My hallucinations were satanic visions, I was hearing the voice of the devil. That's when I stopped being human in my father's eyes. I was no longer his son, I was the thing to be tormented whenever he saw fit. He derived a sick pleasure in not just the physical torture, the beatings, the burns, the chokings, the cuts but the psychological torture as well. He stopped calling me by my name and instead used nicknames like Schizo or his personal favorite, Hellspawn. He enjoyed taking advantage of my fragile psychological state. He would say or do things he knew would trigger an episode and then use that as further evidence that I was filled with the devil. One day when I was about seven, he came home in a drunken stupor as usual, but this time he clutched something in his left hand as he staggered through the door. At first I thought it was some sort of dead rodent, but when he brought it into the light it was clear it was a teddy bear, torn in places with matted fur and bald spots. In his gravelly slurred voice, he tossed it to my face and yelled, Here you go, Hellspawn. Pulled that out of the dumpster for you. Mind, mind you watch out, it's got a mind of its own. With that, he plopped on the sofa and passed out. Mind of its own. That's all it took. That simple phrase, a seed was planted. I regarded the haggard thing my father had thrown at me. It stank. I believed him when he said he pulled it from the garbage. My first inclination was to just throw it away. 
In a few hours, my father would probably not even remember giving it to me and would never miss it. But what if he did? What if he got angry that I tossed it out? Hanging on to a smelly, rotten, stuffed animal seemed more appealing than whatever punishment my father would inflict on me, so I took it up to my room. This was most likely some sort of mind game. He wanted to see how long he could make me keep this thing, make me sleep with it, make me take it to school, make me eat meals with it. As his petty torments went, this seemed pretty mild, so I figured I could take it. It was just an old bear, after all. But those words kept seeping into my brain, mind of its own. I began to regard this bear with suspicion. When I was seven, I didn't have the discernment skills to be able to tell when a delusion or an episode was about to overtake me. I'm much older now, and I've lived with this for years. I now have coping skills and strategies I can use to combat things like this, but back then, I did not. I stared into the beady plastic eyes of the bear, and I could feel it staring back at me. It had a mind of its own. I threw the bear across the room. It landed face down on the wooden floor. I decided then that I wasn't going to take it into the bed with me. I would just leave it there on the floor. I went to bed, and after what felt like hours of lying, still with one eye fixed on the bear, I managed to fall asleep. I'm not sure how long I slept. It may have been a couple of hours or just a few minutes, but I was awakened by a strange wooden sound. I say wooden because it sounded like snapping twigs and creaking branches. When I opened my eyes, they were already pointed in the direction where the bear laid, still on the floor, but now it was changing, its furry limbs twisted and lengthened in a jerking, unnatural way. That was the cracking noise I was hearing. Its arms and legs grew and jerked, lengthened and thinned like a spider. Finally, it lifted its head from the floor. It was swollen to several, several times its original size and distended across from fluffy ear to fluffy ear was a row of sharp teeth that dripped with drool. It opened its jaw and released a roar that shook the room. I felt its hot breath hit me in the face and I bolted from the bed. I ran into the hall and headed for the stairs. Behind me, I could hear the sounds of crackling wood as the thing lifted <laughs> itself to its feet. I turned to look at and it scrambled behind me, walking on its spindly legs and using its spider-like arms to dig its claws into the opposite walls of the hallway to propel itself forward. That's <laughs> terrifying. The house rattled <laughs> with its growls. This is a long story. Okay. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you know it's Garinta. <laughs> As I reached the stairs, I slipped on the top step and tumbled to the bottom floor. I twisted my ankle in the process and couldn't get back to my feet. I looked up the stairs and staggering its way down was this monstrosity. No longer a teddy bear, but a scarecrow-like thing with the skin of a teddy bear stretched across its wooden skeleton. It opened its mouth again and spoke, It's lovely out in the woods today, but safer to stay at home. For every bear that ever there was will gather there for certain because today's the day the teddy bears have their picnic. Hello? <laughs> Excuse me. What is happening? I sent Beth the picture of me in a ruby suit so that she could put it on the Instagram and everyone's just getting too obsessed with it. Oh. Yeah, Maddie sent it to Seth and he said, looking for the man who can solve this. Wow. <laughs> that should be the caption. So the teddy bear's a spider now? Well, yeah, but it's just her, in her head because she's a schizophrenic. No, it's a boy. It's the sun guy. Oh yeah, I think it's. I keep thinking it's a girl. In I was head. under the impression it was a girl until you said like yeah, it's a yeah. son. I was like, oh yeah, me too. Well, honestly, are, bro. okay. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, I screamed and closed my eyes, sliding myself back across the floor like a slug. <laughs> Ooh, what a great analogy. <laughs> I began reciting a nursery rhyme that sometimes brought me to comfort when I was having an episode. I tried to remind myself that this wasn't real. As I was going up the stairs, I met a man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. I wish he, I wish he'd go away. As I was going up the stairs, I met a man who wasn't there. He, he wasn't there today. I wish I wish he'd go away. I whispered this to myself over and over. When I opened my eyes, I was in my mother's arms. She was shaking me and calling my name. I looked past her worried face and up the stairs. My father stood at the top with the bear in his hands. What's wrong with him now? He said. I'm not sure, she said. I think he had another night terror. Figures, my father said in that familiar dismissive tone. Gonna chain you to the bed, boy, if you don't cut this shit out. <laughs> He threw the bear at me again and disappeared into the hallway. My mother carried me back up to my bed. For the next few nights, this happened again and again. The bear would transform into the monster, chasing me, and my mother would find me in various places of the house, hiding in closets or cabinets, shaking and reciting nursery rhymes. After the sixth night, my mother begged my father to let her get rid of the bear. She offered to burn it, bury it, whatever it took. My father just smugly smiled and said, You'd burn a gift a father gave his son? How ungrateful. Somehow, my father was still more terrifying than anything my broken mind could invent. Even so, the constant disturbances during the night were we wearing on him, too. So, he made good on his promise to restrain me in my bed. The seventh night, he tied me down with ropes <laughs> and sat the bear square on my chest. Sleep tight, oh, what an ass. he closed my bedroom door. It wasn't long before I felt vibrations on my chest as a low growl began to rise from the bear. Slowly, its mouth began to stretch across its face in a toothy, distended fashion. Immediately, I closed my eyes and began to recite my rhyme. Over, the, over my own voice, though, I could hear the crackling sound. It was growing again, transforming. I abandoned the rhyme and instead began to scream. I called for my mother. I struggled and strained against the ropes until they began to cut into my wrists and I felt blood trickle down my arm. I could hear voices in the hall. My mother first. Let me go to him, please. He's having a nightmare. Then my father. <laughs> How enthusiastic. <laughs> let me go to him, please. He's having a nightmare. <laughs> please let me help my son. <laughs> <laughs> then my father. Stop babying. <laughs> He's driving us all as crazy as he is. You want to stop to it? I'll make it stop. What happened next is a blurry mix of hallucination and reality. To this day, I'm not quite sure what actually inspired transpired. I remember my father bursting into my bedroom. I remember the door flinging open and crashing in against the wall behind. I remember the crackling noise the bear made as it grew. I remember the bear's voice. Today's the day the teddy bears have their picnic. There was a scream, but not my own this time. My eyes were clenched tightly shut and I kept repeating. As I was going up the stairs, I met a man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. I wish I wish he'd go away. Then there were growls and roars, crashes, and the sound of ripping flesh and screaming, then silence. Finally, my mother came in. She saw me tied to the bed and ran to me, frantically removing the ropes from my, from my wrists. My father was nowhere to be seen. The bear lied face down on the wooden floor as it had the first night when I had thrown it aside. After tending to my wounds and making sure I was alright, my mother asked me, where's your father? I looked up at her and simply shook my head. That was nearly 30 years ago. The community assumed that my father must have wandered away in a drunken stupor and had some sort of accident. There was a search in the nearby woods, but nothing was ever found. I still have the teddy bear. Never since that night 
has it ever transformed again. It's just a bear, just an old worn teddy with dead plastic eyes and balding fur. When I first saw it, it frightened me, but I was just a child then, and now I understand that it was all a delusion brought on by my illness. However, for reasons I can't quite describe, I have a certain respect for this old thing. Sometimes the scariest things in the world are just misunderstood, sort of like me. After all, all of us have a mind of our own. You kidding me? I'd shove that bear down the disposal. <laughs> There's no fucking way I'd keep that thing. I'd be like, what a bye, story. Bitch. Like, you run from a teddy bear every night for six nights that's trying to eat you, and then it eats your dad instead, and you're like, oh, we chill now. <laughs> We're good. Well, it's death that much of a dick. Be like, Thanks. Thank you. What, you, like, what, what's stopping it from eating him again? I feel I like mean, it's more of a metaphor that the... Bear too. I think the bear was more of a metaphor of the dad yeah. in general. Because, like, the dad gave it to him, but he was more scared of his dad than the teddy bear. So... so dad's worse than the dad. No, they the dad... Know. They don't know where the dad went. He probably wandered off because he was drunk all the time. I don't know. Yeah, but... Okay. I just want to chime in. Maddie was like looking at some horse game on her phone while you were reading it. <laughs> <laughs> it was so horse game? Maddie! Oh <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I went on the app store for a second because I was going to re download a game and then I couldn't find the game and then I saw this ad for a horse game. <laughs> and you can. <laughs> And you can race horses with your friends and, like, create your own horse and, like, breed them with your friends. Disrespect. I'm so sorry. And then I was looking for pictures of me in Halloween costumes. I can't find them, but I did find this gem. Is that you? That's me as a child. Just trying to pull floaty. Disgusting. And gals. Oh, my God. I'll show you some of my photos when you guys come over later. Okay. Some other time. Alrighty. Nasty, okay. This story is called Venka. You have one job. (laughs) You're not getting paid. (laughs) Restate this. Okay, okay, we're gonna try that again. Okay, Okay, this story is called Venka. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Fuck you, Seth. We're, um, I'm not really sure if this is a real story. <laughs> if this is a real story, not it, I feel like it could be, but it didn't explicitly say. In the early 1970s, my aunt Sarah studied education at a college in a very conservative small town. Sarah lived on campus while her boyfriend Jack, who eventually became my uncle, lived in a crappy house in a crappy part of town off campus. Because the college was an industrial town, they were surrounded by really big feedlots and beef packing plants. That ran. <laughs> Is this Seth? <laughs> oh shit! I just clicked on something else by mistake. Um, that were, that ran twenty four hours a day, and among the blue collar workforce, that were many undocumented workers that were paid under the table and lived off the grid. Part of my aunt's coursework for her degree was to go was going into the local district and trying to help illegal immigrant fannies. Illegal immigrant fannies. Families. Great start. Oh my <laughs> god. I can't read. Swim. I can't swim. Oh, get resources for the kids, stuff like free lunches and prenatal care for the moms if like they were pregnant. Mostly the work was depressing as fuck. The families wanted the resources, but they didn't have they didn't want to bring any attention to their undocumented status. It was just a disaster. 
Uncle Jack lived across the street from a crappy apartment building that housed several of the families, and often groups of children would be playing outside. One day while visiting, my aunt noticed this kid, a five or six-year-old little girl, standing alone on the apartment's crumbling balcony. After that, when she'd visit during the week, day or night, the girl would be there, but she was always gone on weekends. There... <laughs> I'm sorry, this is so weird. She's gone on weekends. Like, <laughs> she's got a nine to five standing there and goes home. <laughs> there were a lot of people who lived in those units, so on the weekends, there would be tons of kids of all ages running around, tearing crap up, generally being little jerks like kids do. They moved in the house in August, so it was blazing hot and the sun didn't set until almost 10 at night, so the kids were always running around. Any given weekday, though, that kid would be sitting there all by herself, just staring over at them well into the evening. My aunt said that at first she thought it was it was sad that the kid didn't have anybody really looking after her, but then it's all started then but then it started turning to fall and the days were getting shorter and colder. One night my uncle was walking my aunt out to her car and she remarked to him that the little girl wasn't out there, a relief because it was getting so cold. But then a car turned down the street with bright with its brights on and then when the headlights hit the balcony of the apartment building, the kid was still there. My aunt said she must have been wearing dark clothes because when the headlights passed over her, all they could really see was a very little pale face. The headlights washing away all of her features. She had been there the entire time. They just hadn't seen her because it was so dark. That was, turn that was the turning point for my aunt. By now, she was into her internship with the district and she was doing a lot of outreach. So one weekend afternoon, when it was still pretty nice outside, she and my uncle approached the families mingling outside. She asked about the little girl, but no one would talk to her. She said even the kids pretended not to be able to understand her. Winter came and still the little girl could be seen on the balcony, appearing like she wasn't wearing a coat. At this point, my aunt decided to stage an intervention to get the kid a jacket and maybe even enroll her in school. So she's seen the kid one morning and heads across the street and up the stairs to lead to the second level. But by the time she gets there, the kid is gone. My aunt didn't hear any footsteps. She didn't hear any doors closing, nothing. My aunt figures it's the same thing from before, they're just as scared of an outsider. But now she's more determined than ever because this kid clearly needs some resources. That weekend it snowed and when, no that week it snows, so then when the weekend comes, a bunch of the little jackals that were living across the street were outside stockpiling snowballs to throw at each other. My aunt has learned from the last time, um, why can't I read this? My aunt has learned from the last time, so this time she doesn't take my uncle, but she does take candy and a bunch of silver dollars. The older kids avoid her like the plague, but a couple of little ones come over and my aunt starts talking, asking about the little girl. The kids are way more interested in the candy and the silver dollars and the questions, and most of them refuse to answer until one of them finally says, Venka, um, the name of the child, my aunt presumes. She'd never heard of a name like that, but gives little kids some candy and money anyway, which eventually entices the older kids to come over and start talking to her. Until she asks about Venka, then the other kids completely clammed up, gathered all the little ones, and in like 30 seconds, everyone was gone. One winter evening, when it was hella dark, my aunt saw the kid. By now, it was absolutely freezing out. There had been an ice storm the night before, and the kids were still- that kid was still out there. Flipping out, my aunt headed over, fully intending to get a kid get the kid and call the cops because it wasn't just neglect at this point it was abuse when she finally made it up to the apartment building's icy scares stairs the kid was once again gone which finally got my aunt to freak out because there was no way a kid could have moved that fast on icy concrete and she knows that none of the doors to any of the apartments were opened still she pulled it together and decided to walk the length of the balcony and just make sure the kid wasn't there 
Reaching at the midway point, there there was the kid always sitting, she saw, deep in the ice. These, she don't know what to call them. They weren't footprints because they weren't shaped like feet, not even little feet. And they weren't just on top of the ice. They were all the way through it down to the bare concrete. It was like the kid had been standing there during the ice storm the previous night and the ice had built up around her feet. Terrified, my aunt tore ass off the balcony and down the stairs, managing to... (laughs) 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 Managing to trip and take a spectacular chunk out of her shin on the way. She still has the scar today. After making it to my uncle's house and saying what happened... She and two of his roommates headed over to check out while she stayed back and had someone patch up her leg. After about 10 minutes, the guys came back and told her that, yeah, they saw the footprints, though none of them could come up with any sort of explanation, and they tried to play it off, working out all these different scenarios that seemed plausible, like maybe there had been some empty cups or something sitting there and the kid kicked them off the ledge, and that made weird footprints. They convinced her that they'd went over and looked, that if they went over and looked in the morning, they'd probably find some cups on the ground. And then they said that maybe my aunt hadn't seen the kid after all. At this point, they'd all seen the kid at least once. She was always over there. But they pointed out that they all got so used to seeing her that my aunt probably just saw a shadow and took her for granted that it was the kid. Which didn't make any sense if they really thought the kid had kicked over some cups. But whatever. After winter finals, my uncle and his roommates decided to throw a giant kegger before everyone headed home for Christmas. It was the first time my aunt had been back to the house since all of this stuff on the balcony happened. But everything now seemed fine. The little girl was nowhere to be seen. The party ends up being low-key, with only my uncle, his roommates, their girlfriends, and one roommate sister, Marisol, in attendance. The night wore on and another ice storm begins outside, causing the power to go out and the roommates to light a fire in their fireplace. They were all fairly trashed at this point, and one of the roommates brought up a weird footprints, something they'd yet to speak out loud. Finally, around the fire, my uncle and two of his roommates admitted that it was creepy as fuck. I know it's not possible, but it looked like, began one of the guys, a giant hoof or pig hoof filled the other roommate, um, leaving my uncle to the remark. Yeah, like something was standing there with cloven feet. The entire energy in the room, according to my aunt, was still uneasy when the roommate, who said it looked like a giant hoof, turned and asked, what's that girl's name again? Velma? Venka, my aunt corrected. My aunt says you could have heard a pin drop at this point, but eventually someone changed the subject and everyone continued to drink and goof around. At some point, however, my aunt went to the kitchen and was followed by Marisol, the roommate's sister. Alone in the kitchen, Marisol, a weird expression on her face, asked, Did you say the girl's name was Venka? And my aunt nodded, telling her that it was what the kids, the regular kids, across the street told her. Marisol nodded and didn't say anything for a while, but when my aunt turned to leave, Marisol put a hand on her arm and said, It wasn't Venka, it was Venga. It's slang and means come here in Spanish. And that's when Marisol told my aunt that story. It was the first year the district and the college tried the internship my aunt was participating in, and Marisol, participating in the program, was stuck literally going door to door trying to find the family with kids who needed to be enrolled in school. She got a hell of a lot farther than my aunt ever did because she spoke fluent Spanish. The family still didn't like her nosing around, but they would at least speak to her. Marisol says that she went another crappy apartment building, not across the street from my uncle's rental, but close. While there, she saw all the kids, including a little girl, dressed in dark clothes who appeared to be by herself. So Marisol talked to the more friendly kids and their families, convincing them that they could qualify for services and going to school is really a good thing to be doing. Getting up to go, she asked about the little girl she saw outside. Upon mentioning her, an older woman, probably a grandmother or great-grandmother, crossed herself and shook her head. She told Marisol that what she saw wasn't a little girl. It was a bad spirit, and Marisol should forget she ever saw her. At the time, she figured that maybe the kid was an illegal or possibly stolen or something to another family. But then when she tried to really think back to the girl's features nothing came to mind 
It was sort of blank, just a general impression of a girl in dark clothes. Over the weeks and months, Marisol started to eavesdrop, and more and more she would hear about this Venga girl. Apparently she was called that because she would whisper Venga and try to lead people off into the woods. Marisol wasn't clear on what supposedly happened to anyone who dared to follow her, and according to the conversation she overheard, all of the kids knew better than to go with her or else they'd be beaten within an inch of their lives by a granny armed with a wooden spoon. She then swore that she would catch a glimpse of the kids in different places around town. By this point in the story, my aunt was getting was super drunk and totally freaked out. Getting away from Marisol as quickly as she could, she informed my uncle that he needed to take her back to the dorm. Heading away from the apartment and by this wooded area, my uncle, either because of the ice storm or because he was tanked, ended up hitting the curb hard enough that it blew out a tire. It being the middle of the night and freezing, he left my aunt in the car to go out alone to change the tire by the light of a, a flare, the only light source he had. In the car, my aunt was terrified. The, right light of the, the red light of the flare was bouncing off the ice and flashing everywhere, and there, in the woods, about 20 feet away, is the girl. The flare was bright enough for my aunt to get a good look at her face, except there wasn't one. The face was perfectly pale and featureless. No eyes, no nose, no mouth. It was just completely smooth. Even over the sound of the heater and the radio, my aunt says she could hear the girl whispering Venga to her, and she could see her crooking a finger toward her. This was the first time my aunt saw the girl's hands. They were bleeding with long, cracked fingernails, mm -hmm. and her feet weren't feet. They were like hooves. At this point, my uncle climbed back into the car, and my aunt, pointing him to the girl, finds that she was gone. The next morning, as soon as the sun was up, they packed up and drove all the way home for the holidays. After that, my aunt refused to go back to the house, and they never saw the girl again. I don't spooky. Like that. No spook. Bah. Nasty hooves. Disgusting. Gross. I'm gonna start saying Venga to all you guys now. Venga! Disgusting. Venga. I'm just gonna go to your house in the middle of the night, Beth, and just start whispering Venga in your ear. I'm gonna dress up as the little girl, too. Yeah. Bitch, better not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that wasn't me this time! <laughs> okay. Pop off. Yeah, that was all our scary stories. <laughs> Including our spooky season. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should have picked some different chords, but that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. Okay, so to finally top off our October season, oh, um, we have our last word. Not like the last last, just the last <laughs> for October. Um, I don't really know how to pronounce this, but I'm going to guess it's Teoing. Teoing? Can you spell it? It's T E um, apostrophe O I N G. Teoing. Teoing? Teoing? Teoing. 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 Yeah. Teoing. What the? <laughs> that literally gives me nothing. Yeah. Teoing. Is it sexual? Yeah. <laughs> See, I don't have the yeah. purpose of doing it, but just like the first ones that I find, I'm like, that's so fucking weird. And it's always has to do with sex. And I'm like, I guess. <laughs> Damn it. I guess. Okay. Let's see here. It's maybe simple. It's not very complicated. Mm, if that maybe helps. it's the act of pretending you're rowing a boat <laughs> while you're <laughs> going at it. Like, owing, rowing. I don't know what the TE is for, but I don't know. That's my guess. Yeah, if it gets you any better, I I promise probably won't help you at all. I don't know why it's named this. Um, okay, so they it's might not be if mine. that I just don't know, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
Maybe it's some kind of like role playing. Like you're like role playing is something. Like maybe from like an anime or something. Is it like? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, not really. I guess it could be. I think anything on Urban Dictionary that's I feel like, is kinky. I feel like it probably has to do with something that's, like, kinky and, like, bondage or something like that. So it's, like, not super kinky, but, like, kinky enough that, like, the average human being would be like, It's a medium kink. Nah, you just dead a baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's Those my guess. Beth is yours. Um, I'm role-playing with anime. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh... Teoing or tail. Wait, wait, wait. We should have the boys put in their two oh, cents. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, what do you guys think? You first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. Might have to go. Uh. I want to say it has something to do with toes just because that's what the word sounds like. <laughs> Yuck. Okay. Tailing? Yeah. Um. I'll say it's like a strategy on, on a good way to make a taco, maybe. That's what? my guess. It's sexual. Oh, it's sexual. It's not. <laughs> Oh, not not tacos. <laughs> You're saying tacos. Sexual. sexual. Um, tacos I, I, I think it's off. I think it's gonna be cutting off circulation to your toes, like you said, and then you just suck on the toes like that. Ooh. Oh. Like asphyxiation, but with your toes. Yeah. <laughs> oh Toe asphyxiation. I mean, I wish. Um, no. I mean, I wish. I'll tell June. <laughs> yeah. No. I love uh. it when my toes don't circulate. <laughs> um. Yeah, okay, so basically, tailing is um, having sex with an imaginary woman or object. Oh. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> I like your... Okay, like, I knew that. that. That's what I meant by I wish, but... I'm not sure, why is it called that, though? So, that's, that's so what weird. that's what that one kid does in, in Big Mouth, then. Jay? Yeah. No, he has sex with his pillows. Imaginary, I guess. Well, see, I don't know if it's well, like... Their oh, pillows are pillow? sentient people. Like, they're not... Like, <laughs> they're not invisible. They speak and... Yeah, see, but I don't know, like... Maybe he's schizophrenic. Yeah, it's, like, people having, like, just, like... Are they just, like, hump in the air? Or is it, like, an object they're like, oh, you're alive, kind of, but, like, not really? I don't know <laughs> what it is. I feel like that would do nothing for you. No. No. Like, okay. I feel like you have to have an object... Like, what are you gonna get out of it if you're just humping the air? Well, <laughs> like, but, like, by imaginary woman, I wouldn't think, like, a sex doll. So maybe no. they're just, like, so I don't really know good at imagining things, and they do it themselves. See, this reminds me... Of, like, this thing I saw on YouTube one time where this guy fell in love with his car. Oh, yeah. that was on, like, Gross. a... Not My Strange Addiction, but, so like, it was weird. on something like that on weird TLC, because like I watched that on TV. Yeah. Like, I wa- remember, like, really sitting in my living room and seeing that, I was like, hello? <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> hello? Yeah, it's so weird. Uh, but, yeah, now you know. You can have a wider knowledge and vocabulary now. Try tailing. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's it for this podcast. Bye. Oh my gosh, movie season's done. Play us out, Seth. Uh...